what you want us to receive today. And so, God, we are ready for whatever you want to do in this place. God, whatever you seem fit, oh, we ask you that you would just do that right now, God. Let your glory be revealed in this place today, Father. We're seeking after your presence and after your spirit, Lord. We want to be more like you. And today we just say thank you. Thank you right now in this sanctuary. Thank you for our Sunday school teachers, God. Thank you for our children. Thank you for the adults, Lord God, that look at Sunday school and, and see that it is important, God, that it is profitable for doctrine, for correction and righteousness, God, for reproof and for teaching. I thank you right now for this hour. I ask that you would honor God us and the sacrifices that have been made on this morning. Oh, God, let your revelation be poured out. Oh, Father, let voids and empty spaces in our spirits be filled in this hour. Oh, Lord God, we ask you to be who you say you are, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, Father, we thank you in this place today. Come on, why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him a wave offering in this place today. Oh, God, we glorify you today. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Glory to God. I'm, I'm happy to see that you've all made it to Sunday school this morning and uh, that you made it here safely. And so my prayer is, Pastor, that I pray no one gets injured, but definitely on the property. <laughs> definitely on the property. And so uh, I'm thanking God for his grace and his mercy. Uh, but... We're going to move forward in our Sunday school hour today, uh, and we're going to be uh, starting a new series. Again, we're going to be starting a new series uh, titled Standing on the Promises of God. Anybody like a promise from God? Amen, amen. I love promises from God. And so today, um, as we begin uh, lesson one, we're going to talk about receiving the promise of God. To stand on it, we first have to receive it. And so our scriptures today are going to come from Genesis 12 and Romans 12. Again, that'll be Genesis 12 and Romans 12. Amen. As you find that in your Bibles. We're going to be reading Genesis 12, 1 through 8. And Romans 12, 1 through 12. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. Let's read verse 1, Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that cursed thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's a lot of blessing going on. So Abram, he departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram, he took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered in the souls that they had gotten in Haran. 
And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram, he passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. Moreh. And the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Until thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pinched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is <clears throat> speaking about Abraham, his faith and his righteousness. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm sorry, let me go back. That wasn't the reading I had. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Oh, it's Romans 4, 1 through 12. I apologize. I typed it wrong. See, that's why you need your Bibles. <laughs> I typed it wrong. Romans 4, 1 through 12. Amen. It says, what shall we say then that Abraham, my father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham was justified by works... He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of a man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. That righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. <coughs> Again, today we're going to talk about <coughs> receiving the promise of God, the promise of God. Amen. Uh, when, we, when we think of promises, one of the first places uh, that my mind would like to go to 
is the promise uh, that a man and a woman come together with God and they form in marriage. Uh, this is one of the most important promises uh, that we can make, but it is during this vow and during this promise uh, that we say for richer or poor, you know, for sickness or health. Let's see, a, a promise is something that we hold on to regardless of what's happening. And this vow of marriage, I believe, is one of the hardest promises to maintain, to keep hold to. And I believe that's why we give such great applause to those who have been married a long time because we just understand that marriage is not an easy thing. It's just not something, it's not just a walk through the park. And I've been married for four years and I just thought it was going to be easy because I thought my wife was just going to do whatever I told her to. Amen. But it didn't work out like that. And so for that reason, we still got to pray every day together. Amen. But promises, we think about promises during a presidential campaign uh, where these candidates, they get up and they promise you all of these things for your vote. And then they get in office and you find out that the very thing that they promised you, uh-oh, <laughs> that they no longer can keep that promise. While man doesn't always keep their promises, we can always depend on God to keep his. Numbers 23 and 19, it says that God is not a man, thank you, that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall not make it good? This verse, it teaches us that when God gives, a, gives us a promise, that he does not have the, 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 the characteristics of human being where he will not come through and follow through with his promise. But exactly what God has promised you, you can guarantee it that it's coming your way. 1 Kings 8 and 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto the people of Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word. I like this. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. See, we serve a God that when he gives us a promise, that he takes note of every comma, every period. He takes note of everything that he has given you and told you in that promise, and he's going to make sure it comes to pass. He's not going to be like Jacob's uncle Laban who, uh, tricked him, and he, I understand that Jacob was a trickster, and he changed, the Bible said that he changed his wages, I believe it was 10 to, to 20 times, and uh, they were working on a promise that he would work for his wives, and that he would work an extra six years in the land. There's no trickery when it comes to the promises that God gives us, but we can rest assured that when God makes a promise, that he will make good on it. And so we come to today's scripture, Genesis chapter 12, and we find that Abraham, from the looks of the scripture, that uh, he was living with his family, or at least uh, in the surrounding land of the family. And it is during this time that Abraham, he hears God's voice for the first time. 
We find that in Genesis 12, this is Abraham's, from our understanding, first encounter with God. And the very first thing that God says to him, he, he doesn't shake his hand and he doesn't show good hospitality, Pastor. He doesn't try to get Abraham to like him. But the very first encounter was, hey, Abraham, get thee out thy country. I mean, what is, what's going on, Lord? How you doing, God? Can I worship? You got something. But the very first encounter is, Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and to a land that I will show you. This, this sounds like a bossy God to me. I mean, you come to me with just instructions? I mean, even when I look at that instruction for an individual like myself, uh, to me, it would have been easy because I was longing to get away from home at 18. <laughs> I, I was ready to go out and to see the world. But how would you respond to God and that being your first encounter of him just telling you to leave the area of you uh, where you and your family was living? How would you respond to that? What would go through your mind? <coughs> I mean, we're a generation, we want a sign. We want God, we want God to show us and to guide us and to allow us to know exactly how we're going to get there. But <coughs> excuse me, Abraham, he was willing to go. And the reason he was willing to go was because of what happened in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. God didn't just tell Abraham to leave, but he says that. I will make of thee a great nation. Here's the promise. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. How does that sound? God's going to make a great nation out of you. That your name will live on forever. I mean, imagine generations upon generations referencing your name. When they called upon God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> I mean, imagine the God of Craig, Colton, and Junior. <laughs> I mean, just imagine that generations upon generations, that thousands and thousands of years later, people who have never seen your face, but they have read your story, are still calling upon the God. And the only way to recognize that God is to recognize the man that first believed on him. To convince Moses to go, he says, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. This is the promise, Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make thy name great, and thou shalt also be a blessing. I don't know if this was simply enough for Abraham, but when we look at the story of Moses and how Moses was on the mountain and God wanted to destroy all of Israel, it seemed as if Moses might have received the same promise, Sister Brown, because God said, I'm going to start everything over with you, Moses, that with you, you're going to be my nation. And Moses, he declares, no, nah, we're not going to do such a thing. See, Moses, this would not have been enough. And so I believe maybe Abraham, it would not have been enough. But when we go down to verse 3, the promise continues. It says, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee and 
These shall all families of the earth be blessed. When we continue on to read Abraham's story, we we find that God blessed him in every area of his life. You got to read it. The Bible specifically says that Abraham was blessed in everything that he did. Um, But what I would like to point out today is that God, he blessed Abraham. He wanted to make a great name out of him. He wanted to bless him for one reason and for one reason only. And again, it says, so all families of the earth shall be blessed. God wanted to bless Abraham so that he can be a blessing to others. When was the last time you asked God to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others? The foundation of God blessing Abraham was the fact that he was going to be a blessing to others. It was not for self. The promise that God had given Abraham, yes, he was going to benefit from it, but not him only, but all nations and all families of the earth were going to benefit from this. Let me ask you this question. God has given you a promise. I want you to think about that promise. Think about something God has promised you. How does that promise impact others? Is that a promise that only affects you and your children? Is that a promise that only affects you and your family, your household, your parents? Who does your promise impact? Because if that promise benefits no one else, I would question whether or not it's from God. I mean, we even learned that the promise of the Holy Ghost that is given to us, yes, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is for us. But when we look at even the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, who is that love for? That love is for somebody else. That's not a fruit of a spirit. That's not the fruit of the spirit. Well, God, give me, give me love to love me. <laughs> but this promise that is for generations that comes with the fruit of the spirit, it's not for you, it's for other people. The long suffering, being patient. Who is that for? When I look at the prophet Hosea, it was for his wife that was a prostitute. See, the long-suffering was for somebody else. Gentleness, meekness, temperance, the fruit of the Spirit, this promise that God has given us. I want you to look at it. It's, it's for somebody else. It's for the benefit of other individuals. When we look at the gifts of the Spirit, there's one known as the word of knowledge. How would God give you a word of knowledge about you? You know everything about you. But the word of knowledge is for someone else. (laughs) The gifts of healing. I don't find too many times in the Bible, and I'm being sarcastic, where they were laying hands on themselves, Pastor. But the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, these were for the benefits of other individuals. 
And these gifts of the Spirit, they come when the Holy Spirit resides in you. And God, he gives you this Spirit, he gives you this promise, not simply for you to benefit from it, but it's so that other people can benefit from it. The Bible says that tongues, it edifies self, but prophecy, <laughs> the gift of prophecy, it edifies the body. Trying to tell you that when God gives you a promise, that it's not just for you. When he gives you gifts, it's not just for you, but it's for others. And so I would ask you to consider that when God gives you a promise, it's not all about you, but who is it for? And so again, Abraham, he receives this promise and that was good enough for him to leave his home. And Abraham, he leaves and I'm not even sure if Sarah heard the promise. The Bible doesn't give us a clear understanding if she heard it. But one of the hardest things, if I can be transparent to you, is when God speaks to me. When I was single, I can operate easy. See, when I was single, I can give every dollar in my bank account because I knew if God didn't come through, I'd just fast the rest of the week. See, now I got to really rely on God because I can't make my kids fast. I, I can't make my wife fast. It's, it's something about promises now that I have to make sure that they are from God because my family is depending on that. And so Abraham, he obeyed. But the Bible, it tells us that he didn't completely obey because Abraham, his promise, it required that he left everything behind. But yet we find that he took, the scripture says, his wife and his brother's son, his nephew Lot. He took Lot with him. Lot had become part of the family. Abraham's brother had passed away and they took on Lot, raised him up. And I, don't, I can't imagine uh, how close they probably were. But I just remember spending, spending a summer with my cousin and me and my cousin, we became just like that from just spending time with him. And he's getting married this year. This was years ago, but he's getting married this year. And I'm the best man in the wedding simply because of that time where we lived together for one summer, three or four months. They built a bond. I believe Abraham and Lot, they had built a bond together. And though God had told him to leave away from his country, his kindred, and his, his father's house, there was something about Lot. And Abraham said, I want you to come with me. See, 2 Peter 2 and 7, it even calls Lot a righteous man. Lot had his stuff together. Lot could have been beneficial, pastor. He was righteous. Willing to walk after the Lord, we find out later. But your promise, it may require you to even leave good things behind. Hmm. There's some things that going into the promise that God has for you, you just got to leave them behind. See, we have to hang on to every word that God gives us. And everything that seems good to us is not always good to us in the next season. As I was thinking about this message this morning, I was thinking about Sister Brown's father who is going to start a ministry in South Africa. And there are some things that he has to leave behind in America if he's going to be successful in South Africa because the cultures are just different. 
the areas are different and things that are blessings over here, it can look prideful over there and, and cause people not to want to be under his ministry. Good things. Got to leave them behind. Got to leave them behind. See, Abraham, because he took Lot with him, he encountered some problems. We find that he, he fought unnecessary battles. He fought with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and three other cities. In the Bible, it tells us that Abraham, that he defeats these kings. But what it doesn't tell us is how many men died in that battle. It doesn't tell us if Abraham lost soldiers, if he lost servants, that he raised up in his household. Because of his disobedience, some man might have died in a battle that they were not even supposed to be in. Because if Lot had not gone with him to the land of Canaan, he would not have been worried about what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. But when Abraham finally let Lot go, I find this interesting that God reminds Abraham of the promise. <laughs> when he finally said, Lot, you know, you know you're too big, a herdsman, they're fighting. You go that way, I'll go this way. We find that as soon as Lot disappears, Genesis 13, then it says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes. Look from the place where thou art. Look north. Look south, look east, and look west. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, <laughs> look what God says, walk through the land in the length of it, in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. He says, as far as your eyes can see, he says, walk through the land. Everything that you walk through, everything that you see is going to be yours. Now, in my mind, I would have wondered, when would I stop walking? <laughs> I would have wanted it all. <laughs> I would have just kept on walking. You said, Lord, everything that I see, I, I'm going to just keep on. But he said, everything that you see. This was a promise God, he reminded Abraham of this promise when he became completely obedient to the instruction. I don't know how much time had passed by. We know there had been a little time at least because there was a famine in the land and they had to travel down the Egypt and then they went to another place and some time had passed by. But the lesson here is that we, we must completely obey the instruction of the Lord because we don't understand, we don't know even the future outcome of what may happen. We find that even in the disobedience of Abraham taking uh, uh, Hagar, his wife, uh, the handmaid as his wife and, and having Ishmael because they were unwilling to wait on the promise, we find that uh, Ishmael, he would have 12 sons and the Bible says that God was going to bless these 12 sons simply because they came from Abraham. And these 12 individuals, they, they should I say Ishmael, uh, the following, his following makes up a religious sect, a group today known as Islam, the nation of Islam, the Muslims. 
And today there is a major battle, a war, a fight between the Arabs and the Jews. Simply because the Christians follow the Jews. We follow Isaac. Because God said that Isaac was going to be the promised child. But the Muslims, they follow Ishmael. Ishmael because he was the firstborn son. And so because of this, this disobedience in this promise, there are wars being fought today. Abraham has died thousands and thousands of years ago. But because of that disobedience, there are people struggling in their faith. And my cousin is in prison right now. He just got 20 years. Just got 20 years. And I decided that I wanted to keep in touch with him. And I tried to talk to him about the Lord. And he got in prison and he said, Chris, it's all about Allah in here. It's all about the Muslims. And I'm on the phone trying to convince him when all day prisoners are surrounding him. Speaking to him about this God that we know is not the right God. It's all because Abraham was not totally obedient to his promise. But Abraham, he, he did receive the promise. But the promise, it was received by faith. Abraham, he was an older man when he received the promise. A hundred years old when his son was born. But the Bible, it tells us that faith without works is dead. And that the promise that God has for your life, it's not simply going to require some faith. You can't just wait around for the promise to happen. But you're going to have to get your hands dirty. You're going to have to do some working. I believe that one of the reasons that God gives us a promise, and it, what I dislike is how long it takes for the promise to come to pass, if I can be honest with you. Like, why did God tell Abraham just, why it took 25 years for the promise to come? Why didn't you tell him in the 24th year? Why, why you make him wait all of that time? But I believe that sometimes God, he gives us a promise now to give us direction. I, I believe that it's a time where we're supposed to mature. And we're supposed to develop. It's a time of preparation and, and getting ready. And so when we receive that promise, yes, we have faith. But we have to work towards that promise. What can you do right now that will help God fulfill the promise? He doesn't need your help, but he wants you to work. I know some of us, we may, it may seem to us that the promise... It's so hard. How can God fulfill this? I, I've been waiting so long. I guess that's where the long suffering comes in for us. Because we get so excited over what God is bringing into our future. It seemed like forever until this building was brought together. And oh, what great joy there was in the way that we rejoice when the fulfillment of it finally came together. But that time of waiting. It's during that time of the promise where God, he wants us to prepare. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be developed and have the maturity to handle the blessing. Again, it seemed as if it was going to be a while, but 
Genesis 18 and 14 for those of you who may be struggling with something God has spoken to you. I have one question for you, and even God asked himself. He said again in Genesis 18 and 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mary, you're going to have a son. Going to be impregnated by the Holy Ghost. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Daniel, you're going to be thrown into a den of lions. Hungry lions. And you're still going to live. Is anything too hard for the Lord? A whole army terrified of the Philistines. But a young man young boy by the name of David who trusts in the Lord is anything too hard for the Lord it's going to take faith refuge and I challenge you today to remember those promises that God has given you matter of fact when you receive them you ought to write them down but as you think about that promise and you don't understand how that promise is going to be brought to pass. I leave you with the question that God asked. <laughs> he asked it unto Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the Bible says, and at the appointed time, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah, she shall have a son. See, this question, is anything too hard for the Lord, was a question not asked after the promise was conceived. But this question was asked when faith needed to be applied. And so as we end today on receiving the promise of God, this lesson, I ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? He has yet to do it. But it's already done. And it's going to take your faith and a little bit of work. And God, he's going to bring it to pass. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the promises that you have given us. I thank you, Lord God, that you have considered us in our situations. That you have chosen us and that you have given us a promise. Because you trust that we will bless others with this promise. God, we magnify you. We glorify you right now. We ask, Father, that you would give us a mindset. Give us a state of mind where we would not be so focused on what the promise would do for us, but God, how the promise will affect other people. Your kingdom is about others. Your kingdom, God, is about others. Our purpose here of the church is for others. It's not simply for ourselves. And so, God, right now, Father, I ask that you would just stir up our spirits again. Rekindle our spirit. Remind us of the promises that you have given us, Lord. Allow us to walk in faith, Lord. Oh, God, that we still will receive those things, whether they've been promises we received as children or something you have could have told us last night. 
God, we trust and we believe that there is nothing too hard for you, regardless of what this place is going through, this planet, oh God, and what the government is doing. I believe that you will make things happen. And God, we just trust in you. We trust in you for the city of Rock Island. We trust in you for the Quad Cities. And God, we don't know how we're going to reach this area. But Father, I have faith that you have placed us here, Lord God, that that people will be reached and people will be saved, God, for generations upon generations because of this building, because of this assembly of people, this body of Christ in the faith that we have and used because of the promise you've given us. I thank you, God, for this promise in advance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we all say amen, amen. Again, if we're going to stand on the promise of God, the first thing we have to do is we have to receive that promise. And that promise is received by faith. And so let's be like our patriarchs. Let's have a little faith in complete obedience. And let's see what God does in your life. God bless you.